0: Welcome back! Um, you're listening to Cognitive Dissident. My name is Kalyani Saxena, and we're back for Season 2! I'm so excited to be back. Um, I kind of took a hiatus because of exams are a real thing, as well as, like, I'm in D.C. for the summer, and I had to move in and get settled in, and also just, like, take a minute to breathe. So I'm back after... Two months and I'm ready to roll. Um, so, a little bit about this season. Uh, I have a somewhat cohesive vision for what I want to do, but if you guys have things that you would really want me to talk about, I might do like a QA also. If you have any suggestions at all about what you would like to hear or um, if you would like to be on the podcast, because As you know, this is just me. Um, Please let me know. So the general vision for this um, season is to focus on the upcoming 2020 election. I'll specifically right now be focusing on the Democrats because let me tell you, that field is It's real crowded. It's more crowded than Disney World the day after Christmas, which I can tell you was so crowded. My family went, it was a huge mistake. Um, We stood in line for four hours trying to get on a ride. Um, It's more crowded than the lines at Disney World after Christmas. There are a ton of candidates, so I am gonna do my best to help people and myself get an idea about who's in the field, what their strengths are, what are their stances on each policy issue, and the debates are coming up next to next week so i'll be doing an episode on that as well so i really just want to stay on top of the ball get like figure out what's going on with the 2020 election because when you have so many candidates it's really hard to figure out like who exactly is a strong candidate who exactly is going to um represent all the things that i want for myself and that I need for myself as a citizen, or maybe not as a citizen, maybe as someone who needs protection because they're not a citizen, um, so it's hard to figure out when there's so many different candidates, I'm gonna do my best to try and distinguish between all the different platforms, and also, um, give you a little spicy analysis on the side, or maybe not so spicy, uh, so another couple things, um, I don't have a vested interest in a candidate, I just want to put that out as a disclaimer so far. I am kind of on this learning journey with you because the whole reason I wanted to do a 2020 themed or focused season is because when the 2016 election happened I was really taken by surprise and that was because I hadn't done my due diligence and I hadn't really looked into the odds and what people's different strengths are and like what different appeals like different demographics that um, Trump could appeal to. I just kind of assumed the people that I was surrounded with who all supported Hillary Clinton we're kind of the general demographic of the country which as we know is not true and to be fair i was in india for a lot of the campaigning but now i'm not and i want to make sure that i have a balanced view of what's going on so because of that i am also on this kind of learning journey i'm not favoring one candidate over the other i if i ever do it will be from an analytical standpoint so this is not me trying to push my like view of who which candidate i want to win because honestly i don't know and i don't think that would be very helpful if from a learning standpoint okay now that we've got all of the just the sheer mechanics or logistics out of the way I'm sorry if I'm going really fast Uh, this is my first time recording just like me in my room Um, usually I'm in the radio uh, studio at Wellesley so this is the first episode I'm doing kind of just by myself talking to myself so it might be a little faster than normal but please bear with me okay so now that we've got all the logistics out of the way, we can move on to the first episode of season two, which is called The Front Runners. I know that sounds like really mysterious, but really what it means is I'm just going to talk about, okay, it doesn't sound mysterious, but the title card, which I hope you like because I spent hours on it, looks really cool and mysterious. But what it really means is we're just going to talk about who I think, and from what I've read, the frontrunners in the democratic field are. And like I said, there's a lot of people running, so I'm only going to be covering four of them today who I think are the front runners. So this might be a longer episode um, because I am covering the strengths and weaknesses of four candidates. So I might provide timestamps for when, if, if you want to skip to a certain candidate and you can also always message me and talk to me if you want to figure out where you want to listen. But also you could sit and listen to the whole thing because that would be nice. Alright, so let's get into it. Today's list of sources um, is The Washington Post, The Atlantic, The Hill, The New York Times, and The New Yorker. So the four candidates that I kind of zeroed in on f- as the frontrunners in the field, like the top four, would be Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, and Bernie Sanders. And I'm going to discuss them in that order. And the general structure for each candidate in this episode is going to be one general facts about them two what makes them unique what are their strengths and then three what are their weaknesses slash are there any skeletons in their closet because let's be real this is a hot take and I'm not sure how many people share this view but I personally like I don't know sometimes people can really idolize candidates and get really far on their train like they can do no wrong and I'm of the opinion that in order for you to have reached this level where you can run for office, you need to have in some way compromised on something, some of your morals. So you can't possibly be a perfect candidate. So I'm, yeah, I'm not, I forgot where I was going with that sentence. But what I was trying to say was that I think that there isn't, like, one perfect candidate, so all of them have got weaknesses, and some of them, more than others, have got skeletons in their closet. Okay, so I'm going kind of in the general order of, like, who, in the order of, like, who's the, the absolute front runner, and then who are the, some of them behind them, and um, with the exception that Bernie Sanders is doing better than Kamala Harris. Okay, So we're gonna start with Joe Biden. So here are some general facts from hashtag wikipedia.org. I know you're not supposed to use Wikipedia as a source, but really this was just for like general knowledge facts. So don't come after me. So a few facts about Joe Biden. He served as the 47th vice president of the United States, of course, not of any other country from 2009 to 2017. And he represented Delaware in the U.S. Senate from 1973 to 2009. So up until he was the vice president with Barack Obama. Don't pretend you didn't see all those Biden memes and those Obama-Biden friendship bracelets because we all saw them. I think it's also really interesting, like, it'll be interesting to see how well he succeeds considering, like, how after Obama left the Oval Office, like, how much how many memes surrounded Biden and like how there seemed to be a lot of positivity surrounding him like he he was kind of like this oh just like benevolent guy and like everybody's like oh Joe Biden he's a good guy like kind of in the same vein as people treated John McCain um, and I feel like that image of him is starting to like crumble a little bit like that wholesome vice president with the friendship bracelets and like people are definitely more critical and I don't know if that's just because he's running for president or because yeah it's probably because he's running for president so it'll be interesting to see how his image either deconstructs itself or just gets stronger he also ran for president in 1988 and 2008 so he's done this twice before in 1988 he was a young man um insert ymca theme song but i have heard his campaign um entrance speech and it was a long time ago in a different sort of uh, race and in 2008 he ran and said some interesting things about obama Um, ultimately obviously did not win and became obama's running mate he's also been known in the past for some like really bad political like gaffes like he said stuff he shouldn't say so i mean who hasn't but joe biden really has okay So those are some general facts about who he is, where he's from, what he's been up to in the last two decades or longer. And then in the 2020 field, let's take a look at what his strengths are. So a lot of this information is from an article by Jennifer Rubin from the Washington Post. Um, It's called The Media Underestimates Biden's Strengths, so in case you want to look through that. So Biden right now is the front runner in the polls and he is doing better than mostly anybody um, by a lot. So like he's not only the front runner, he's got like a clear edge over everyone else. And I remember before he announced that he was running, when I was listening to a lot of political podcasts, that everybody was saying when Biden enters the game, everything's going to change. And I don't know if everything has changed. Like, I don't feel like the field has totally flipped, but it's very clear that Biden has widespread appeal. And interestingly enough, this is, this was wild to me. The older, moderate Democratic voters, which you would expect to be fans of Biden, are his fans. But African Americans are his biggest fans. Or not his biggest fans. Like, he is the candidate that has the most pull with African Americans. Which I was really surprised about. I didn't think that. He has, according to this article, the overwhelming share of the African-American community. Um, And according to The Hill, they released a report that said, or another poll released um, results that said that 47% of black women said that Biden was their top choice to be the Democratic nominee, while 18% said they preferred Sanders. And then another poll said that he was getting 42% of non-white respondents. And then Sanders and Warren have just 7% and they're like the next best. So he's got support with people of color more than both bernie sanders and elizabeth warren and by a significant amount also side note i'm surprised to hear that sanders and warren only have like seven less than 10 percent of people of color support bernie sanders or elizabeth warren i don't know like if that was a very small poll but like that's a tiny tiny amount and doesn't really feel good in terms of like What are they doing to not appeal to these voters? So long story short, Biden has got a tremendous amount of sway with the African-American community. And I'm really curious about this because I wonder what it is about him as a candidate. I have a couple of theories. One is that people, like I said, have when they think of Biden, they think of Obama. And the the two are tied together. And that's not to say that, like, oh, well, he's only getting supported because of identity politics. And I think that's a very, like, simplistic view of things. But I think you can't also ignore the fact that identity politics do play an important role. And, like, like for the most part, when people vote, they don't really necessarily vote, like, based on a careful evaluation of policy. They vote based on whether or not they feel like they can identify with the person who's going to be representing them in whatever way that means it doesn't have to be based on race but because you know Biden was part of this presidency which in retrospect looks very rosy compared to what's going on right now I think that might have something to do with it his affiliation with Obama the other thing is he is a very much like an establishment Democrat so there's a good possibility that like his his platform being more centrist and being like very old establishment like he's been in the democratic party since 1973 maybe that specifically appeals to african-americans so we'll see i'm gonna get more into specific policies later on but um but for now it's something interesting to keep your eye on something i was surprised about Another thing is that a lot of people have written about like, oh, well, Biden can't catch up. He doesn't fit with the Democratic Party anymore because he is more centrist, whereas Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who are the like, second place and third place, both you know, competing for the same place in terms of in the polls, both of them have um, more appealing platforms to the current Democratic Party, which is leaning a little bit more left. Or, according to this article, far left. Which I wouldn't say we're far left. Like, I haven't seen Lenin anytime um, soon. But I would say, like, definitely left. We have the Democrat... Not we. The Democratic Party has some, certainly some, leftist tendencies. Um, so... That is kind of the rhetoric that, like, oh, Biden's an old guy; he doesn't fit in with the Democratic like party's views anymore. Everything is moving on, and he's stuck in the past. And that actually isn't true, according to this article. So Biden seems to be trailing Bernie Sanders. Oh, sorry. Um, if the Democratic Party, according to Jennifer Rubin, had actually been kind of mobilized entirely by the left, then Biden would be be behind both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. In fact, he has twice their vote share and his, yeah, twice the vote share of Sanders, who has 16.4 percent, and then more than four times Elizabeth Warren's share, which is 8%, according to the Real Clear Politics Average. So not only is he kind of wiping the floor with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, it doesn't appear as if his centrist view or his less left view is actually having any impact on voters, which I thought was interesting because I would have been kind of inclined to say that oh yeah Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren with their new progressive view of the Democratic Party are really capturing everyone but I think that also has to do with like who I'm surrounded with I'm surrounded with young people who who relate more to their views but there there is a significant part of the country who who isn't very left and still feels like democratic socialism or even the word socialism is a dirty word so in that way Biden is very appealing he's also um got a lot of appeal in the midwest and the hope is that biden might be able to win over a lot of swing voters who voted for trump last time but feel like they might vote for a slightly more moderate democrat so that's his general appeal um there does also seem to be a generational divide with joe biden he um he is a very old democrat and he has been in the party for a long time which means that a lot of the policies that he pursued which i'll get into later that were like super in line with the party now are considered very harmful and unacceptable so it's hard when you've been in politics that long you have a like really long rap sheet of like all the policies you voted for and endorsed and times and norms shift but those records don't and sometimes that can make you look really outdated so that's a potential drawback of joe biden it's one of his weaknesses he is older in the field and he's very much like what you would think of as the tr- typical democratic candidate who r- relies on private donors and has fundraisers and is very much like he's definitely like a remnant of the old party okay so, he's also got some other weaknesses. Most recently, he his campaign confirmed that he still backed the Hyde Amendment, and this is from the New York Times. So, the Hyde Amendment, is, according to the New York Times, is a measure that prohibits the use of federal funds for abortion. So, he actually ended up reversing this position, um, which I'll get into in a minute, but here's his justification for why. He says that, Um, The article says that he's really struggled with his views on abortion rights because he was raised in in the Roman Catholic faith. And I guess that means that you don't believe that women have the right to choose their own bodies, but whatever. Um, So that's um, been part of his struggle. And he has basically, you know, he's in line like. He, he, he's, not say, he's not saying he's pro life, but he's saying, I don't want the Hyde Amendment, says I don't want federal funds used for abortion. And that is apparently at odds with the official Democratic platform. So he's not just odd in that sense, like with his rivals, who, people who are in the field with him, but he's out of kind of step with the whole party. And those are the kind of quotes from the New York Times. Um, and then, so on Wednesday, they were like, dude, do you still back the Hyde Amendment? And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm totally pro-choice, but, but I don't want federal funds used for abortion. And they were like, okay, cool, 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 but, like, also not cool. And then suddenly he reversed his position because he got a lot of flag for it. And then he was like, <clears throat> Um, yes, I have changed my position because I want to – combat the efforts by republicans to roll back abortion access in georgia and other southern states and these are quote-unquote extreme laws um no offense joe biden but that sounds like a steaming load of garbage like yes but also abortion rights have been under attack for years and years and years sure this is like a big thing right now and you you didn't really care about changing the high or removing your um, backing for the Hyde Amendment. Um, But suddenly, after all this pressure, and now that you're running president, now you've changed your minds. You don't think it's a coincidence that you changed your mind because you need public support and not because you actually care? Hmm. That's some food for thought. So that's one of his weaknesses, that he's not as progressive as a lot of the other Democrats in the field. He also... um, has, like I said, some some pretty interesting policies on his list of things that he's done. Um, he defended a 1994 crime bill, which now is a law that a lot of Democrats are against and say contributed to mass incarceration. And even President Bill Clinton, who had that 1996 bill called IIRA, um, shout out to Laura Groton for that information because... I just took her class, Neoliberalism and its Critics, and you should too. But um, what I was trying to say was that even Bill Clinton, who was low-key the one who kind of ramped up mass incarceration. um, Oh, IIRA is mass deportation. Sorry, that's wrong information. But Bill Clinton was very much involved in, in both of those things. Even he's like, uh, yeah, the 1994 bill, that was, that was a boo-boo. Like, let's just step away from that. And Biden is doubling down on that, which really just is at odds with the Democratic Party today. Like, maybe that was okay back, you know, 10, 20 years ago, but it's not anymore. And he's refusing it in a lot of ways. Like, it's, it's different for a candidate to be like, oh, I made a mistake and I've learned. But Joe Biden's sticking to his guns in a lot of his positions, and that's just not working well. Oh my gosh, this episode is going to be so long. Okay, and of course, the one of his big skeletons is Anita Hill. So when Anita Hill testified in 1991 in the confirmation hearings for um, Justice Clarence Thomas, the um, committee, which was all male and all white, um, really harassed her and got very aggressive. And he was the chairman of the committee and he has acknowledged that he failed to tone down the attacks but also says that like he didn't have the power to do so which once again seems to be kind of out of the realm of like imagination because he he was the committee's chairman who if he didn't have the power who had the power to turn it down and then he didn't he said like I wish I had been able to do more for Anita Hill those are his words but he could have and also, he just recently apologized, like, a month or two ago, and it's like, dude, you've had since 1991 to say sorry, and you're telling me that you're only saying, you're saying sorry now because what? Because you're running for president and because it's in the post-MeToo Me mov- movement? Like, no, m- miss me with that. So, that's a big thing where he also has a history of, like, being very, like, um, touchy-feely and grabby with women, so that's, like, a huge skeleton in his closet. Um, that I think has the potential to really undermine his support with young voters. Okay, enough about Joe Biden, let's move on to Elizabeth Warren. Okay, so a little bit about her, she's a senator from Massachusetts, shout out to Massachusetts, Um, and she's been a senator since 2013. She was also a professor at Harvard Law School and helped create the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, And she also apparently wrote a book on middle-class incomes, and I know this because my, well, one, The Atlantic told me, (laughs) and two, I saw my mom reading that book two years ago. So, shout out to you, mom. All right, so here are some of her strengths. She is very much in step with a lot of the left-leaning stuff that's happening with the Democratic Party, and her biggest, biggest draw is that she is presenting herself as a pragmatic, pragmatic, advocate and this is from the new yorker a pragmatic advocate for the middle class someone who can bring systemic reforms to education health care and democracy itself so she and bernie sanders are the two leftmost um, candidates in the field um, the only difference is that warren isn't really using the word democratic socialist she says that from the new yorker accordingly i believe in markets she simply wants to make them do work better for more people And I think that's really appealing to people, maybe more so than Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders is coming in with a new vision, like, I am going to transform the economy. And everyone's like, whoa, dude, it's like 5 p.m. We are ready to go to bed. We've had our long work days. We're not ready to transform the economy. That's terrifying. And Elizabeth Warren is kind of saying the same thing without using those words. She's saying, we're going to transform healthcare and we're going to work within the system to transform things. And that's a lot less jarring than like a whole system overhaul. So she's got to, like, she's managed to fit in the same niche as Bernie Sanders without being as radical about it, I guess, for lack of a better word. And her other big thing is that she's got a plan for everything, like detailed proposals. I think one of the things you see in a election is often people saying things like, oh, I want to give you good health care. And you're like, that's cute, but how? And Elizabeth Warren's like, I will tell you how. I've got a plan for everything. She's got a policy for tax policy, student debt relief. And she's got a very like detailed view of everything. There was even this post on Tumblr where it's like, can Elizabeth Warren come up with a plan to fix my dating life? And Elizabeth Warren responded to that tweet and was like, DM me and let's talk. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was just like a PR thing, but it It absolutely is appealing to have someone who not only is making grand sweeping promises and is suggesting transformative change but has a genuine plan for it and I'll start getting into the proposals later on when I get more into policy, but some of them include um breaking up technology companies like amazon um putting in a lot of taxes um And she's got, yeah, big taxes. Like she wants to do a tax on the wealthiest individuals and corporations that would, um, according to the, I think the New York Times, that would apparently exceed $50 million as well as a new tax on corporate profits. And then also she wants to, like she says, all of these taxes will raise $3.8 trillion over a decade, which is wild. And then she says she wants to use that money for student debt cancellation, free college, childcare, and the opioid crisis, and also green manufacturing. So she's like literally taking on every issue on the board and that's ambitious enough, but she has plans for all of them. And that's really impressive. The other thing, however, is that like, while that is impressive for people who care about policy, like I said, a lot of people don't vote according to actual policy. Like even I voted based on like who I thought I liked the most rather than like, what are they gonna do for America? So in that way, she's really appealing to people who are paying attention to what it what people are going to deliver on as president but sometimes that doesn't necessarily have the mass appeal sometimes image and branding has more mass appeal like trump and his make america great again hats. side note i have seen so much make america great again apparel in dc like i saw a bucket hat the other day that said make america great again and like first of all you're just being racist but second of all you're gonna be racist on a not cute hat like come on you guys just level up um, anyway, so Elizabeth Warren's policies are sound. They're absolutely aimed at a lot of um, institutional change, but her image is less sound. She had that whole botch with the Native American DNA test, which really, really like lost her ground with... Um, with young people and people also feel like she's a lot like Hillary Clinton I haven't done a side by side comparison but they're like they do kind of dress the same which I know and I realize is critical but like I said people really kinda care about image and branding so she, she doesn't necessarily have that widespread rallying appeal and she is very leftist how is she going to win over people in swing states I don't know um, she's not using the words "democratic socialism," but it's still like people can see a progressive policy. they know it when they see it, and I don't know if that's going to have the most widespread appeal. Also, because her all of her plans, which are new regulations and very transformative, there's a lot of critics who are saying that that might actually end up damaging the economy and hurting um, the people she's trying to help. So those are some of her weaknesses. Okay, I hope I did that somewhat cohesively. Now we're moving on to Kamala Harris. So here's a couple of general facts about her. She was the attorney general of California from 2011 to 2017. She's also a first-term senator from California, and she was elected in 2016. Um, And then she was previously the state's... Yeah, I just said she was the attorney general. Okay. Isn't that wild, though? She was first elected as a senator in 2016? when i was doing the research for this i felt gobsmacked i was like what she has only been in senate since 2016 because she has managed to build such a reputation for herself in such a such a short period of time like i feel like everybody's been hearing about kamala harris and it feels like i've been hearing about her for the better part of a decade which doesn't even make sense because i would have been 11 but she has been very successful at distinguishing herself from a lot of democratic senators and like the, uh, the whole thing that like to go from just being a first term Senator to running for president and being one of the front runners is really impressive. Um, And also interesting for a long time, she was the front runner in the democratic field. Um, Not so much anymore, which I'll get into. So her platform and her strengths are um, centered on truth and justice and she is trying to use her career as a prosecutor according to the new york times to cultivate quote to quote cultivate a reputation as a fearless public advocate so her logic here is i have been an advocate for other people and now i'm going to advocate for the american people wow she should hire me to write her speeches i'm just kidding but also kamala harris hit me up also kidding but am i Um, so she, she's very much focused, like she is not distancing herself from her background as the attorney general, as a prosecutor. She is leaning hard into it and it's definitely her platform. I I watched her video when um, she announced her campaign and her, I still remember it because it was the first one I saw this uh, 2020 season. And she was like, someone was like, Kamala Harris, why do you want to run for president? And she said, you know, first of all, more than anything, I love this country. And I love, or it's like, I love my country. And it's like, all right, Kamal Harris, so does everyone else. <laughs> but she, this is kind of her platform where she's suggesting that she's like for the people, by the people. Um, and there isn't much more specifics about her, her campaign. I tried really hard to find stuff, but I couldn't find a lot of stuff. And, I'll, and that's because her campaign has actually stagnated. So she um, entered the race in January, one of the earlier ones, and had a ton of people at her campaign kickoff. But then she found herself in like a really tricky political um, position. She is definitely not as left as Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. So she's been facing a lot of pressure from liberal activists who are saying that she's um, not doing enough or not not like she's still like her vision as a president wouldn't be enough to really help american people because like i said the democratic field is tilting more left and kamala harris is less left so they're like hmm i don't like that she also doesn't have that like aw shucks appeal that joe biden has because he can get away with being a moderate because he's a white man who loves to say aw shucks um that's a simplification but his image is very important um And Kamala Harris doesn't have that. She's both a woman and a black woman. And so she doesn't, she has to work harder to get the appeal of um, generally everyone. And that, in order to do that, she has to, kind of move more left, but in moving more left, her allies have been very like, oh, you're just giving in, like, you're she, going too far left, like, you can't, she said she called for eliminating private health insurance, and refusing to rule out letting prisoners vote, and those two things she had to later modify, because people were like, whoa, 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 dude, that's too left, so she's been struck at, stuck in a really, like, weird spot because she hasn't totally leaned into being very left but she still needs to appeal to that crowd but how much can she appeal to them so there's been a lot of tension in her in her campaign which has kind of left her trapped. so now she she had a tax proposal as like her general um, campaign or her platform and now she's focusing on teacher pay increase and i can verify this because i listened to her on npr for 40 minutes talking about teacher Sorry, that was my charger. Teacher pay increase. So she's got a lot of charisma, but I think her campaign's a little trapped right now, especially because if your your main platform idea is teacher pay increase, like that's not really appealing to anyone, unfortunately, who isn't a teacher. So she needs to do something drastic to change public opinion. And that drastic... Thing that she's doing is saying that she would prosecute um or indict donald trump um if she yeah she so she's now turning her campaign to like use her background as a prosecutor to suggest that she would indict donald trump or after she becomes president like she would charge him with obstruction of justice um that's a simplification but she is not where a lot of people are not saying anything especially because there's a lot of like taboo about you know even Saying anything bad about previous presidents um, like Andrew Jackson, still on our $20 bill, but she's going hard on that because she needs something to revitalize her campaign, and this is what it is. So she has. I was actually really surprised by a lot of this information because I thought that she was the front runner in the field after Joe Biden, but it looks like she's struggling right behind. So it's like Joe Biden. And then Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders fighting for the same spot, and then Kamala Harris. Um, and she might start falling down in the rankings because a lot of the dark horses, haha, episode two, tune in, are are gaining on her. Um, okay, so let's move on to our last, last front runner. Thank you for sticking with me. If you have stuck with me, I know this is a long episode, but we're covering a lot of ground here. But you've waited long enough, and it's he's the man, the myth, the legend, Bernie Sanders he has served as a junior united states senator um, from vermont since 2007 so 12 years he also as most of you know unsuccessfully ran for president in 2016 and he has had a huge role in i wish i hadn't said huge like that just reminded me of donald trump he's had a big role in um shaping the democratic field in terms of helping the Democratic Party move more left. His vision of Democratic Socialism was almost laughed out in, like, 2015. No one thought he was going to do well, and then he really came for Hillary's throat. You know, didn't win, but still came for her throat. And he has helped move the Democratic Party more left, him and people like AOC. So, because of that, the field is way more progressive than it was even three years ago. So, a lot of people are still very much interested in his platform. He's very um, been, you know, very unapologetic about the fact that he's a democratic socialist and he, um, interestingly enough, is an independent. He's not actually joined the Democratic Party, which is very spicy information because unless you knew it, in which case it's not that spicy, but he's not a member, he's not a Democrat, but he's making a bid for the Democratic nomination because he's smart and he knows independents don't win. But he's not really aligned too much with the Democratic Party as he sees it, except he's had a huge role in shifting the Democratic Party. So he's got huge sway with young people. He's got huge sway with progressives. He, um, a lot of his things that he was talking about that like people thought were ridiculous were not like um, student debt relief and healthcare are now seem to be key tenants of everybody's platform. So in some ways he was almost like the pioneer in democratic progressiveness but is that enough to distinguish him in this field where everybody is already kind of progressive it's like hey you were interesting and unique in 2016 but now you're not so unique and he is Currently flagging a little bit in polls. He is kind of in second slash third place. Like I said, he's competing with Elizabeth Warren and sometimes she's surpre- uh, surpassing him. She recently surpassed him. Um, she had 19% support in Nevada and he only had 13%, and then Biden had 36%. Um, so, but she, this is the first time she's kind of beat him out in a poll. But so he's, he's, he, here's what his problem is his weaknesses as the campaign his platform of progressiveness is no longer unique and he suffers from not suffers isn't the right word but one of the drawbacks is he is very old and he is a white man and in some ways it feels like that's to a lot of people like that isn't what they want to see in 2020 That that in, you know, with the exception of Joe Biden, because aw oh, shucks, am I right? <laughs> but Bernie Sanders doesn't say aw oh, shucks. He'll maybe yell, get off my lawn, but he won't say aw oh, shucks. So he's one less distinctive than he was previously. And he doesn't, his like image, his overall image and brand with like his identity is not necessarily relatable to a lot of people because he is very wealthy and he is a white old man and that no longer is appealing to a lot of people so keep i don't have too much on bernie sanders because i felt like people already knew a lot about him so keep your eye on bernie sanders because i don't know if he's gonna keep his his foreground in the field like right now it appears to me based on the like articles that i've read that it seems like biden and elizabeth warren are really like i'm i'm sure we'll see as the summer goes forward um what's going to happen. So that's it for today's episode. I will be back next week with Dark Horses um, where I'm gonna get a little bit into people who aren't the front runners but definitely might come and take us all by surprise. You never know how it goes. And then the week after that are the debates and I'll be doing an episode on that. So thank you so much for tuning in. I know this is a long episode but I really hope you enjoy it. All right and I'll see you next week. Bye!